we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Tried to little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a try to Andrew John. Free streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Waramai, Wanarua Lands, this is the Bay 53 Podcast, part of the Sports Best Friends Podcasting Network, brought to you by A-plus Contracting and Polyworld. Winning was fun, but for a fleeting moment, and if you thought the Knights were going into the off-season quietly, then you were wrong. The Broncos brought us back to earth, we're back in a spoon race, and then Kaylin Ponga was in the news for all the wrong reasons. So, just like a mate helping another mate out of a toilet cubicle, switch on the Bay 53 podcast and let our soothing tones offer you the emotional support that you need. Now, Bretto, I uh, I genuinely 100% was asking myself today, is this it? Is today the day that the Newcastle Knights finally break the K-Dog? <laughs> Who hasn't helped the mate out of the toilets when they've had a bit of a spew, mate? That's all that happened. <laughs> Even even as you're saying those words to me, like you, you can't do anything other than laugh. Like it's just it's just so hilarious. And, and it's funny you say laugh because I don't know about you, but if I was a mate in the toilet giving you spewing, I'd be laughing. I would be. Brett, <laughs> <laughing. laughs> we don't want to bury the lead. You know that I do. My my anxiety loves everything chronological. So we'll obviously get to today's news in good time. Um. I think, look, we're going to head straight into Around the Grounds uh, to that, to, for this week's episode because um, uh, the sooner we can sort of get the Broncos-Knights game out of the way, the happier you and I are going to be. Um, you and I, uh, what was it, 30 points to 10 in the end was the final score. You and I had zero confidence that the Knights were going to be able to string uh, two uh, competent and consistent performances again sorry together we were proven right um yeah back to reality another disappointing showing by the team yeah the disappointing thing for me was that brisbane were poor you know if we showed up to you know to anywhere with some intensity we might have we might have rolled them they were probably about the same standard they were when the tigers actually did roll them they were they were they were quite poor and we you know and we just couldn't the minute the minute they raised the intensity, we we couldn't go with them. We would not that we couldn't. We didn't want to go with them. My apologies. It was, it was twenty-eight to ten, uh, the final score in the end. So it was really the three converted tries in the first half that we lost by. And my mate, our mate Joe Frost, words were just ringing in my ears as well. As soon as they scored that track second try, you just knew the game was over. Like the the inevitability of not only knowing that we that they're going to score more points, but just the knowledge that we don't have more than ten points in us. Uh, game over, over essentially after what half an hour. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? You know, like we 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 controlled probably seventy percent of the, the field position in terms of like from from our our sort of twenty to their maybe 
maybe their 10. Like, we were sort of controlled that portion of the field. But inside, in terms of inside our own 20 and inside their 10, we just offered nothing. It's, I um, mean, nothing it's really. Real, it's a real, it's a real, like, it's an issue, obviously, the offseason needs to deal with. But it's a real issue in terms of even when we were good, our attack was poor. So I don't I don't know how that's going backwards. Yeah, no halfback's an issue, but it's not like it was good when we had Pierce. And, I mean, what you say is correct. Like, it, it, it really was nothing in attack. Like, we've been sort of watching our, our attack sort of fumble along this year, and at least we were getting into into um, possession, uh, sorry, into situations and just poorly executing the majority of the time. But we were just executing nothing on Saturday night. No, that's like, right. There was, no, there was actually nothing doing. Like, you know, it's not like bad passes were being thrown or guys are running the wrong line. There was just literally actually nothing doing. And it, and it frustrates me because another 10s team can get to the right area of the field and then kick it cross field. We, we, can't, we don't even do that. We have a guy on the wing that's one of the most athletic guys in the competition, and we don't even get into a position where we can put a competent cross field kick in for him. Like, uh, we We've officially, we like, we've statistically 100%, we have the worst attack in the comp. Uh, we have the third worst defence in the comp. We have the worst points differential in the comp. Uh, and thanks to the Titans beating the beating Manly yesterday, we're back in the spoon race. Um, oh, it's, 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 it's getting hard. It's really getting hard to talk about this team. I was, um, I went down to Parramatta to watch this with a mate on Saturday night. And as hard as I tried to get into the mentality of don't let the result bother you, enjoy the time with your mate, you know, you're out, of, you're out and about and you're having – like, it's just it's just mind-numbing to watch. Like, you sort of watch the way the team uh, performs. And the forwards, you know, the forwards stepped up. I had I didn't have too many complaints about the way our forwards were sort of rolling on. Uh, 1,700 metres by the Broncos to our 1,500. So it's not like we were, we were overly mauled. Our post-contact metres were better. Um, but it was just our backs and our halves essentially letting us down. They were, they were flimsy. They just had no, they had no direction. They had, they had no style. They had no stubs, substance. It was, um, yeah, if I was a forward after that game, I would have been grabbing all of the backs and putting them in a Hessian, Hessian bag to throw them into the Brisbane River. Yeah, I, and I don't know. I don't know how you fix it because who do you replace them with? Like our reserve area got beat by 56 um, by Norse with a feet of team to the Roosters, but I don't know how you fix it. Like, if you said to me at the start of the year that the worst centre combination in the competition would be Gagai best, I would have laughed out of the building, but that's reality. Like, they're, they're legitimately the worst centre combination in the competition this year. Yeah, by easily. It's, it is without question. Um, and there's probably about $1.3 million bucks of the salary cap, you know, there. It's, um, yeah... I don't know where you start. Um, it says a lot about the position where the club is at at the moment, where our two, be- like our two best centres, you know, there's talk in the last couple of weeks that please can they go out to the wing? We've got that salary there eaten up that we have to utilise. Go out to the wing, and you're doing that because you start thinking, well, they can do less damage out there. Like that's really where you're at when you're talking about this te- this team now. You're shuffling you're shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. You're trying to move the pieces around where they can survive the longest without doing any further damage than they're already doing. Like it's just, it's just so atrocious to watch. Yeah, so it's sacrificing your pawns to save, to save your bishops and your queens and your king, you know. But those pawns actually should be significant parts of the team. You know, we're not 
we're not trying to hide rookies. We're trying to hide two of our top tier in terms of pay and expectations on the wing. It's um, it's so frustrating to watch because not only are they doing the same things wrong every week, they're doing the same things wrong in back to back sets of six. Yeah. It um yeah it it, it just it, I'm numb to it now. Like you, you kind of just think whenever a team shifts one way and they shift back the other way, you just know they're gonna score. Oh, a hundred. Yeah, it's there's just this air of inevitability to them, which was so, and it was what was so surprising about the Tigers game, because at fourteen to nil up, as soon as the Tigers scored that first try in the second half, like you were you were surprised when we didn't just buckle under the pressure and lose that game. And it was all, it was like the Broncos were just reminding us yet back to reality. Um, three first half tries. You had uh, who was it? So Cobo, Oates, and uh, Ezra Mam. Eighteen. Oh my word! The Ezra Mam try was embarrassing. It wasn't good, was it? Like, I've never like, seen, I've, I, honestly, I've never seen a gap between two players in a defensive line in that position on the field in my entire life that wide. Yeah, like, and, and David Clemmer could run through that hole. I felt bad for Dom Young as well because he tried to pull off the miracle. Uh, tackle again, like I think he did against Souths. Was it against yeah, Souths early yeah. this year? Yeah. And you know, and I sort of thought to myself, mate, don't don't bother, save yourself. Mm. They're going to score mm. anyway. Like it just it just felt like such a wasted effort all round when we were trying to clean up the shit that had led to the break up the field for um for for Mam to score. Uh, I, I I was always concerned that we were going to go go down once um Tamari Martin was named. As soon as as soon as the Broncos was were able to find the excuse to um, replace Tessie New with um, uh, Martin, it was it was always going to be lights out for me for me. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely adds a lot a lot to their team, and yeah, obviously they'll be even better next year with Reese Walsh back there. But I still think they would have counted us up with Tessie New because they didn't actually have to do anything to either stop us scoring or score themselves. Like Tessie New was the worst positional fullback maybe I've ever seen. But we still would have been smart enough to take advantage of that. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Hey, there was there was a part of me that was sort of thinking maybe we won't win, but maybe Anthony Milford will have a revenge have a you know a revenge game up there. Um, I thought he was fairly ordinary. I just I don't I think that was the worst game for the club. Yeah, I don't I just don't understand why you pick him for the last three rounds. What? what? Yeah, no, you, you you absolutely can't. Like maybe they do because obviously with Cliff injured, they're running out of halves. Well, why don't you put Clune and put Clune and Crossford, Clune and Crossford, Crossland in there? And don't get me wrong, I know, like I know, it's questionable whether Crossland's going to be there next year. But at least, you know, Milford's set for next year. He knows what he's doing. Give Crossland an opportunity to put himself in the shop window. You know, he's going to try um, just to give us something because, like, we just we just offer we are we are a no identity nothing team, and it's just miserable to watch. That's the worst thing about it. We're miserable to watch. We, you're right. We have no identity at all. There's nothing in that. To, like Dom, you was the excitement of the team, and we're so bad now that Dom gets no football. Mm. So you know we've lost that that X factor as well. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you do. I like I don't. I, I think the coach is doing the right thing, and he's like he's trying to mitigate the damage by playing his most experienced half in Milf. Like I, I I get that from a coach's perspective. You know, you're not just going to go out there and. Um, throwing the towel and go, we'll play for next year. He's trying to win, so that's why Mill's playing. Because if you're trying to win, Mill's got to be in your team. Um, but yeah, I just and I also think the fact that he, he Adam O'Brien just does not see Phoenix Cross as a half, and I agree with that. 
He's not. He's not. A, he's not a half at all. But my my thought would be like I don't know why. Maybe mix it up. Maybe put Hoy at five eight and give Gags a run at fullback. You know, mix that up. Because mm. Gags, yeah. I think Gags would do less damage at fullback than he does in the centers. <laughs> he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to make a tackle really at fullback. Yeah. Um. Can we talk a bit about? I mean. We the, the Looney Clinch chat was going fairly uh, nuts yesterday and after the game. Can we talk a little bit about the Adam O'Brien press conference? And can I, can I say from the start, and I'll let you have a quick response to this, I personally think Adam O'Brien's press conferences are the most overanalyzed press conferences in rugby league. Yeah. I, I, I don't think anybody gets scrutinised post-game as that much as that man does when he speaks about a performance. If we win, he's he's, he's criticised. If we lose, he's criticised. So I, I, I don't understand what the obsession is with Adam O'Brien's um, press conferences. Um, Can I just say something quickly on that? You know what I think it is? I think it's the Fox agenda. Like, Fox asks a lot more questions of Adam O'Brien and they used to of, of the Tigers than they do of other coaches. Now, Matt McGuire was sort of gruff enough and experienced enough just to – he wouldn't really answer anything, and then they just, you know, they'd cut it off. But you look at the actual time when when Fox cut him up or the NRL website cut him up into how long the coaches have been speaking for. Adam O'Brien's always the longest, which I appreciate because I like to hear from our coach. But it's because Fox and News Limited keep hammering with question after question after question that mm-hmm. they don't ask a lot of other things. So then every single question gets analysed to the nth degree. And as I said, the, it used to happen to the Tigers, but Matt was smart enough to sort of palm it off. Yeah. Um, I think and, Adam O'Brien's honesty and the agenda against the, the lesser clubs plays against him. I think Adam O'Brien is like, look, I, I think for a rookie coach in his third year, um, I think he thought that – I don't think he ever underestimated the job. But I think for Adam O'Brien, if he's still going to be at the helm next year, and you and I think he will, uh, I think he's learned a lot of lessons this year in terms of, um, you know, when, when you what is it they say you learn you learn more of the lessons in your mistakes than you do or in your losses than you do in your wins. Um, I, I will give Adam O'Brien one tiny amount of credit. I think that he. Has learned to be honest with his with himself. I think that you know the, the sort of excuses of you know, we I was happy with what this this and this has all gone out the window now. I think he's actually learned the lessons of no, this whole thing needs to be burnt down and start again. Well, in terms of what he's saying in the press conference, because I, I want to give a shout out to our boy um, at Harvey G, who was talking about O'Brien in the press conference, and I thought this was a very valid point because, in my mind, I think. Adam O'Brien actually knows that the press conference is useless as a coaching tool. So yeah. I actually think, and I think <laughs> this will sound this will actually sound contradictory because in a lot of ways, he, you know, the four the four grand finals comment presser actually proves he, he probably doesn't know that it can do a lot more damage than good. But a lot of the things he says about the team, I've always maintained. He goes into those press conferences going. Uh, limit the amount of damage you can do to the trust with my, of my players with what yeah. I say in the press conferences. I agree with that. So I, I think when he goes into the press conference, he's sort of thinking, well, what can I say about the team to sort of highlight the positive or to try to look like we're trying to be better? You know, Harvey G made a really interesting point. He said when, when O'Brien first t- turned up, 
he would talk about processes, not the result. And he was always unhappy with the way when we were playing poorly, but say when we beat the Broncos 27-6. And you and I were actually quite complimentary of that at the time because we were like, yes, this is a guy who he, he, he doesn't want to rest on his laurels. He wants to be better. He's he's trying to look at um at what we're um at what at the bigger picture what we're trying to say. But then you look at his press conference on Saturday night. And now he's sort of saying, well, no, I'm I'm happy with I'm happy with the performance because we're sort of showing resilience in the second half was a draw. And so he said that they sort of came back. And I'm like, well, there is a consistency there, but in a lot of ways, I don't want you to. I, what am I trying to say here? Sort of, if you're going to be unhappy with an ugly win that's fine it just feels wrong that the counter to that is i'm going to be happy with a proud loss we, we want to get away from the proud losses we want to get away from the improved losses i, I accept that you don't have to bag them because we lost but but, but saying oh I, i'm happy i saw improvement i was like well we, the Bronco, Bron- broncos knew they had their game one anyway do, do you sort of see what i'm saying there I'm, I'm, yeah I'm sort of, yeah I, I i agree with you but i'm just going back to my sort of point the point i sort of think that is that I don't think that he thinks that he can get much positive out of the rest of his season. Yeah. I think that he's just trying to get through the year, not destroy guys' confidences. There's so many guys in our team at the moment, as we know, I've, I've, we've said a hundred times, we're mental, we're mental midgets, we're mentally weak. And I think that he, he really has seen a, a place where there's so many guys now, especially younger guys, where this, this season could break them. Yep. mentally break them as first graders. And it's happened, you know, it happened to a lot of guys, you know, in the dark, dark days, 2016 and whatnot. Mm. I I think that he's honest with himself and I think that he's honest with the team. And I think with the media, he's just, he just trots out what he needs to say. But I don't think, you know, but I said, we're also not getting the rubbish of, oh, well, you know, this, you know, the completion rate was up and blah, blah, blah. We're not getting that garbage. Yeah, mm. the, the score was level in the second half. And that, that's a reasonable thing to say for mine. Yeah, you're right. Brisbane took the foot off the accelerator because they could. But he also went, you know, like we didn't we didn't give up the goat and we and we didn't. You know, so that, I, I'm all for him, you know, saying that because that's that's a legitimate comment, you know. At least, yeah. the, at least the boys kept putting in because they did. Um, as you said, we, we showed up in the second half. It was it was 10 all. Um it was good to see Dan Saifidi sort of get on the board. Uh, can I ask you, whose try was it? Was it the Bradman? Yeah, can I ask you for Bradman's try? I mean, first of all, was an obstruction on Adam Reynolds? And then second of all, did he actually ground the ball? Well, I, in terms of the obstruction, it's not an obstruction. In the, Adam Reynolds wouldn't have got there. But the way they'd been ruling it, I think it was. Because Adam Reynolds clearly got hit by someone on the outside shoulder and couldn't slide across. And they've been ruling that as no try. So I thought that would have been ruled as no try. But um, if they're going to let those go away, I'm happy with that because I don't think that you know that um, affects anything. In terms of getting it down, no, I don't think he did. No. I, I, I don't think he did. But you also couldn't prove that he didn't. So after it's awarded, I think you've got to, you've got to stay with it. I tend to agree with both of those things. Um, the only thing I add to the Adam Reynolds um, obstruction is – I get the feeling lately that the bunker has been take, paying just a little bit more f- attention into what effort did the actual obstructed player make. Now, I'm not saying that they use that determinatively, but when you watch the replay going, there's almost an element of uh, uh, Reynolds. You can read Reynolds' behaviour as sort of going, great, there's a bloke standing here, I'm covered, I don't have to do anything. And you just sort of get the impression now that the the bunker in a lot of ways is sort of, 
tired of being game, the players gaming the system, going, well, we've got we've given you a black and white ruling, but we're not going to give you an excuse to take advantage of that as well. So you still need to look like you're an active player in the defensive line before we're going to rule it structure. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of... And I, and, I, but I, the, you know, and, and I agree with you 100%, but I, the counter to that is, and the reason why they did make the rule black and white was... Um, you, you, it would, it's not up to the bunker to decide whether that guy's fast enough to, to get there or not. Yeah, no, I agree. So, like, Adam Reynolds gets knocked over. He's a halfback. He's slow. He's not getting there. Now, if that's, um, you know, like Tony Stagg standing there, he's a lot faster. They go, well, he could have, you know, it, it's a, it's a, such a judgment call if you decide whether the guy can get there or not. So they try to take that element completely away with it. And then you got the point where guys were getting, you know, half a bump and hitting the ground. So I, I honestly think with the obstruction, I don't think, I don't think there's a way to really fix that. I think the way the way the game developed in terms of the block play has created a thing in the game that no one thought was, you know, it was an issue. And I don't know how you can actually rule against it because, yeah, like the it's players will take advantage of it no matter how you rule it. Mate, I want to ask you a bit more about Bradman Best as well. Um, just sort of shoot from the hip a little bit if you like, or you don't, you know, however you want to respond to the question. Have injuries finally psychologically caught up with a young Bradman Best? Because he is a shadow of a player that he was, like even just to start the year, has, you know, the dislocated elbow, the multiple ankle injuries, the broken bones. Has it all caught up with him? And he's now just so just second-guessing everything he does now to not get injured that he's forgotten how to play? Yeah, I, I definitely think that's the case. And I also think that the injuries have taken away – the physical tools that he had at such an advantage of. He was so quick for a guy his size, you know, he had incredible footwork for a guy his size and he hasn't displayed any of that recently. And I think the injury is a big part of that. And then you're right, that's got inside his head and that's made his form drop. And then his forms dropped so much, his confidence is gone. So now he's just shattered. Like I don't, I honestly don't know whether even, even Melbourne could fix him. I think that he might be so gone in the head that he, you know, he might just fade, fade into Super League soon. I saw some really just, I'm, I'm tempted not to give it air, but I sort of I want to I want to mention it because it was it's just so disgraceful. And I know I'm drawing a bit of a long bow here off the back of, you know, a, a week in which rugby league sort of reflected inwards a lot about um, mental health and, and and whatnot. I saw some pretty disgusting commentary online uh, questioning about uh, substance use. By um by Bradman, uh, and there were there was sort of a couple of things said about oh he's gotten so big so quickly, and I was just and I'm like, I was like, oh, is that where we're at as fans? Are we that we're just gonna yeah. we're just gonna publish that, and we just think that we're okay with that now? And I think there was a couple of things that bothered me about it. it was one that someone thought it was okay to say that, but two that no one's really calling them out either. Like we've just accepted that that's. That's the type of commentary that we sort of have to put up with now. And I'm like, this guy's still a kid. And I'm like... Yeah, the, and, that, and that's that's the thing with that. That's such a dumb comment because he's always had that frame. He's not like he's gone from a skinny frame to this Hulk. You look at him at 15 and 16, the shoulders are always that broad. The neck was always that big, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not talking about Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco yeah, here, who yeah. was sort of... Who just overnight was... They were tall of, and skinny, then suddenly grew sideways. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just, but I was like, like Bradman is a young player who hopefully has his first grade career ahead of him. You know, he's he's struggling at the moment. Like, if that sort of stuff gets wind and that gets like that, that gets, but I just I was 
I don't know. I just yeah, think... you're right. You're right. That, that, and and that's my biggest issue. And I'm guilty of it to a slight, slight extent too. That you sort of you you go after people, but then you sort of you know you you preach mental health. But um, it got pointed out to me like we how quickly we it turned from let's you know care about mental health and there was a million mental health posts you know during the week quite rightly after Paul Green, but then we got to the weekend and immediately people just resumed normal service started back. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's almost like fans come like seven fifty five Thursday night. We all get white line fever for the next three days, and yeah, that's like a, that is a terrible, terrible um, analogy to use today. Anyway, the disappointing thing to come out of the weekend as a Knights fan, then, and we'll get to today uh, shortly, was of course the Titans winning. And one of the thing, like we had a three point gap gap on the Titans going into this weekend. Um, we sort of thought with four games left, look, you know, t- team bottom of the table that's only won three games all season, they're unlikely to double their amount of their number of wins with four games left. They've beaten a, a pretty pretty poor manly side. They've left the door open. Um, we're four points clear. Worst points differential in the comp. Are we back in the uh, spoon race? Yeah, we are. There's no doubt about that. You know the worst thing about it? We played manly just before the Pride Jersey thing happened. So they've, so they've mainly dropped their bundle since the Pride jersey, and we we were, of course we were contemplating them right before that. Mate, can I ask you? I mean, we don't have to go over the Pride jersey uh, incident; that sort of speaks for itself. But that that really has, for all intents and purposes, ended that club's season. Like they they are they are just a completely um, splintered playing group now. I'll, I'll go I'll go one step further. I think that is now shut. Manly, this playing group of Manly down, that's now taking them out of the conversation as a premiership chance next year too. Because that playing group is so splintered. And they'll still be good next year because they've got a lot of good players and they've got Turbo and, and Des is good at, you know, circling the wagons. But that has split that playing group in half. They went from being, you know, this team that were missing their superstar, but every week they would give 100%. Did they have been absolutely disgraced for the last few weeks? Uh, just in a lot of ways, like us, directionless. You know what I mean? Like they're just they're playing they're playing with such a lack of cohesion. I, that... I, I you know what I noticed yesterday. Mainly with the mainly the team that every time they would make a break, they would score. You know, they they were the team that you know they were getting a little bit of space and Cherry Evans or Turbo or someone like that were always on the inside. They would always score at least three times yesterday. There were guys that you know had an opportunity to pop a pass or they. Half in space, he had no one to give it to. Yeah, which is just so unlike Manly. As I said, you know, their their number one strength was their ability to turn half a chance into a try. Mate, I want to look at the two teams that are at for the moment below us. So you've got the Titans. Their last three games are the Dragons away, the Knights at home, and the Warriors away. So they'll get a win uh, against us. Uh, are they a chance of jagging? I, I think they're a chance of jagging a win away to the Warriors. I don't know about the Dragons game. Where's the Dragons game at? Uh, one moment, please. I'm just uh, calling in my stats man as we speak. The um, it yeah, the is at win win no, state. It's in it's in Wollongong. Oh, so so the Dragons will win that. The Dragons will beat them at win. I'm, I'm yeah. confident about that. Um, yeah, they'll beat us. So it comes down to that Warriors game for that, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, and that's I think that's legitimately fifty fifty. Hopefully, the Warriors have you know. After the, their good display this weekend, they've sort of found a gear at least at home. Yep, and they and they can win that. But um, but you know the problem is, but like 
and it's, it's back to how it was in 2015. The wooden spoon is around our, in our own hands. We play the teams around us. Now we can we can rid ourselves of the spoon just like we could in 2015, and we didn't manage to do it then. And I'm I'm not confident we'll manage to do it again. The Tigers' last three games are the Roosters away, the Dragons at home, and the Raiders at home. Look, the, the Tigers are a rabble at the moment. Uh, they just played in a manner that I think we might have been a chance of going back-to-back over the weekend if we played the Tigers again uh, out at – was it Tamworth? Was that where they were yeah, playing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they were, they were just they were just dreadful. Um, but – I, th- I think the Roosters will do them, but two home games to finish the season against a, a Dragons team that you never know who's going to turn up and a Raiders team that, you know, historically are just mentally fragile. The yeah. Tigers, I think the Titans are more chance of two wins out of their last two than the Tigers. But, yeah, that the door is just not shut for me. No, I think the saving grace is that essentially for us to get the spoon, the bottom two teams would need to win four out of their last six games between them. Yeah, is that likely? Probably not, but it's not impossible. Well, if we, if um, if we've ever seen anything when it comes to the Knights, nothing is impossible when it comes to us getting the spoon. But yeah, and the other the other thing with this is that if we got the spoon, it'll be on for and against, and that's because so many games this year we've not been competitive. Yeah. Now a team without even the year we've had, we should not have the for and against we have. It's a, yeah. you know, to be minus what two fifty, I think we are. Uh, Two hundred and fifty-eight. Yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just atrocious. Like, and how many times have we did we give up? You know, three tries in the last seven or eight minutes. You know, like, it just that that's that's what really annoys me this year. Is not it's not even the for the wins and losses record. It's the way we've just capitulated week after week. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. I mean, you and I sort of said it after the Tigers win, as great as that was to see that effort. And you sort of look back on it now and you look at the way we played against the Broncos. In a lot of ways, uh, the game against the Tigers was also – that was another 40-minute performance. We're fortunately, our worst 40 minutes wasn't enough to lose the game. Um, we only won that game because um... – their, their halves had Jock Madden in it. If they had Hastings in the halves, they they beat us. They come back and beat us. With yeah. The ball they in the second half. Yeah, correct. Because yeah, if we all seen the uh, the 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 replay after um after the week after last weekend with Jock Madden having five men on one and not passing the ball. <laughs> like I, I obviously I, I I knew that they you know he'd blown a bit of a chance there, but I didn't realise you know how obvious the chance was. Yeah, but I think I think it's like we said after that Tigers game is that the disappointing thing about the performances this season has been just their absolute apathy to put in anything resembling that kind of performance for home fans because we're we've got a better away we've won four games away this season compared to just the two at home and the two games that we've won at home this year have been against teams currently uh, residing yeah. in fifteenth and sixteenth positions. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and uh, look, let's be honest: is is there was there any chance this year we would have put in performances like they did when they beat Brisbane up there? And should have beat the Cowboys. Like I know we beat the Roosters in round one, but that's a different thing. You know, were, the Roosters not in round one were two different teams at this stage of the year. There's no way we would have put the performances the Tigers did in those two games in Queensland at this stage of the season like they did. Mm. 
So who have been the four wins? So like you said, the Roosters and then the Tigers, the Bull- yeah, Tigers, the Bulldogs and the Warriors away. So we've beaten three of the bottom five teams um, away from home. And as we've pointed out, we, we, we're not banking on getting a win up at Seabus Stadium because we love going up to the Gold Coast and getting 40 points put on us. And why should this season be any different? If we do avoid the spoon, we'll avoid the spoon for the same reasons we should have been comfortable in the eight. We had a soft draw this year. You know, we played the Tigers twice, played the Bulldogs twice, we played the Titans twice. You know, we've had a really we've had a really soft draw this year, and that's why we we probably should avoid the spoon. It just and that's and that, if anything, is more proof why we probably are actually the worst team in the comp. Because uh, Harry Ramage, I think, was pointing out until until Sunday, the Titans really were three tight results away from being winless uh, until Manly. But by the same token, they've had a couple of really tight games sort of slip away from them as well. So you know, you, you give there's a give, there's a bit of give and take there. I've got a but question for you. So, so do you remember the worst game of the season, Titans versus Tigers? And Titans got the miracle after full time to win with the kick. Yes. So now, obviously, that gave two points to the Titans. Looking at the ladder now, would you prefer the Tigers have that two points and the Titans have two points less, or are you happy with how the ladder sits? Oh, I have a I have a raging agenda. I, I know you've got. I know you have an issue with the West Tigers, and let me tell you something. I think it's some of the greatest content on Twitter when you really let them have it. So I love your Tigers agenda. But I, I've got no beef with the Tigers. I, I sort of, like, I, I grew up in Lilyfield. Um, I was just across the road from uh, Leichhardt Oval. Uh, you know, I've, I'll always have a soft spot for them. Big T, our producer, uh, he loves them. So I, I, I bear them no grudge. I find the Titans just an abomination of a, of a rugby league club and organisation, and I have nothing but contempt for everything that they bring to the game, and I will I will never want them to have more competition points. So, uh, no, I absolutely would have preferred that the Tigers uh, take that win off them, regardless of where we're sitting I, at the I, table. I completely agree with your Titans agenda. I hate them too, but you know why I don't? I don't actually have <laughs> visual hate over the Tigers, because I don't take them seriously. I don't take any sporting <laughs> franchise on the Gold Coast seriously. <laughs> That is that yeah, is a fair you, point. Like, I just don't. I just there's just they're just soulless. There's nothing to them. The reason the reason I have nothing, and we're about to we're we're about to get shared amongst a fair few Titans fans. So I'm, I'm going to soak this up. But the reason I have nothing but contempt for the Titans is because they continuously offer nothing, and they're always talked up as giving something. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why have you been giving? You know why? Because people. Because I'll tell, I'll tell you exactly why. Because they're not good enough for people to hate. In terms of, like, if you don't have a gender against them, you can't hate them because they've never been good enough to hate. Yeah. But people want to see them do well because they've still got this weird about being the plucky underdog because they have no soul, they have no history, they have no fans, they have no nothing. I go they're for them. At, they're not a threat at all. I go for them two games a year when they're playing the Broncos because I think there's nothing funnier than a club with no identity beating the Broncos, who pride themselves on being the biggest rugby league club in the world. But other than that... The the, the greatest stat in sports is the fact that the Broncos, men's and women's, have never won a competition involving the Gold Coast Titans. (laughs) That is the greatest stat in sports. The only way they could break the women's dominance was introducing the Titans. That the Titans the... came in 2007. Guess what the Broncos' last premiership was? <laughs> it's just the greatest studied sports. 
How am I? How are you only just telling me this stat? That is an how amazing. I know stat. that. That is the greatest stat ever. <laughs> they literally haven't won a competition since the year the men came in, and the only way to break the greatest maybe rugby league team in Australian history was by bringing a Gold Coast team into the women's. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I am absolutely all here for it, and long may that tradition continue. Hey, um, will we will we talk about today? Will we get to? Um, yeah, the, let's let's get to it. Let's the get big it. breaking news. So, couple, um, a couple of fellas having a drink together and maybe cuddle in the toilet. Kalen <laughs> <laughs> Ponga and Kurt Mann were videoed uh, being asked to leave a men's cubicle. It was a men's cubicle, wasn't it? Uh, oh, I don't know. To be honest with you, who knows? But I assume so. In a in a toilet in an establishment in Newcastle. Um, Let's just say it was an orphanage. It was an orphanage. They were doing a good deed. A lot of people putting two and two together. Uh, uh, what we do know at the stage is that there is video footage of the two of them leaving this cubicle, as directed um, somewhat to the surprise of the security guard. Now, I yeah, that was a funny comment from him. I sorry. That was a funny comment from the security guard. Something about I didn't see that coming, or when when two blokes walked. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. I think what has in, invariably made this unbelievably worse is, of all people, of all people, Andre Ponga saying, I've spoken with my son. He's assured me that after a big night, a big day on the drink, celebrating his house purchase, he was a little bit sick in the toilet and his mate, good mate Kurt Mann was just helping him out. I cannot think of a story or a person telling that story that would have been a worse combination to make this yeah. situation even worse than it possibly could have been. And the, the funny thing is, like, the only evidence we have of that whole thing is obviously them walking out of the cubicle. So both of them completely, perfectly, no, not disheveled or anything, both got drinks in their hands half full. When have you ever seen someone have a spew in a bloody public bathroom come out without you know looking a little worse for wear and having a full drink like it's just it's the worst possible lie you could have come up with and coming from that source it just yeah it was ridiculous just shut up i'm, I'm sort of trying to think because I, I love the newcastle knights and i don't want to say anything to disparage the newcastle knights we always do that we always wanted to do this podcast passionately as fans, just giving our, our our perspective from the fans, but I appreciate it's not always that simple. But I'm I'm just sort of trying to look at this from the club's perspective. I mean, and there's there's a lot because this is happening within a, the grander scheme of it's not just this incident today. This is happening in the grander scheme of our season shot. We've got all the, we've had all this off field controversy going on anyway. We thought we'd sort of put that to bed with with Clemmer and Hayden Knowles, and we were just going to cruise in to the off season. You know, we we had Kalen who you know spent the first what felt like the first half of the season dealing with speculation that he was going to leave. You know, he's been under pressure about the captaincy. You and I commented about Kalen and his character at one point, just saying we sort of felt like like, like it was just a juvenile element to some of his press con this feels childish like it, it just feels yeah. childish no matter what the circumstances because surely you'd learnt by this stage look i'm the captain of the club i don't need the scrutiny let's just get through to the off season so that we can get the rid of, rid of this season and this happens yeah like it's besides all the elements of assuming it was drugs whatever it was it's just such a terrible look. Not only the fact that they were out doing that, even the fact they were out drinking, whilst Kurt Mann's got, a, a, you know, a bruise that 
sort of has exploded and ruined half his leg, he's out drinking, which is obviously going to make any sort of blood vessel issue a hundred times worse. KP's out with concussion and he's out drinking. Like, it's just so poor in terms of professionalism. Like, and they're two experienced guys. They, you know, they're obviously your captain. And Kurt Mann's one of the most experienced guys in the team. It's just such a poor look at any stage. But when those guys are out injured and the team's getting smacked around on the paddock, it just stinks of, yeah, immaturity. I know, I know the club has a tendency to sort of disregard their long-term fans because we're, we're dyed in the wool. We're, we're, we're attached at the hip fans. We're, we're not going anywhere. I know there's a tendency to sort of not take us for granted, but sort of say, yeah, 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 we get you're upset, but, you know, you'll move on like always. I got a message from a good friend today uh, who has been through this club thick and thin uh, and just said, I'm I'm so disillusioned with this club today. I genuinely actually don't know why I care anymore. And this is coming from someone who, no matter what, every year has gone, I'm looking forward to next year. I love this club. This is... This is something that I love being passionate about. And this is the first time that they came out and they said, I think today I'm finally just, I'm finally over it. I just, I don't understand why I give a a shit anymore. And who can blame them? Because I I was even thinking about it today in terms of the 26, we always look at the 2016 season as the car crash season. This is a new low. I did not. I did not think that anything could be yet worse than a one win, se- one and a half win season, but for, for a club that didn't wasn't even owned. Twenty twenty one for uh, sorry twenty twenty two for me is the new official rock bottom for the Newcastle Knights because every we everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, but it's been the it's been off field stuff that's been making it even worse as well. We, we're a shambles. We are a shambles of an organisation with no leadership. Yeah, and, and to me, that leadership vacuum is from the top down. Yes. And that's the issue for mine. I'm going to leave that of my Brian out because I don't know enough about he, where he stands in the club in terms of what actual sort of, you know, influence he has. So I'm going to leave him out. But from Phil Gardner down to your on-field captain, Callum Ponga, down to senior players, it's just been disgraceful how this club's handled itself this year. Like, even the Hayden Knowles thing, like, he was arguing with Knights fans on Twitter. This is a guy that's done everything in the game of rugby league in terms of being a trainer. He's highly respected at the top levels of rugby league. You know, Brad Fittler, Phil Good, all those guys that, you know, have been around the game for so long and are so respected. Talk talk about Hayden Knowles in the highest regard. And he's literally arguing with Knights fans on Twitter about bullshit. I've never seen anything like it. Bullies and teams. Bullies and team ethics, which which sort of felt like an like an interesting take to make because you sort of at what point does defending yourself start to branch into inflaming the situation? Now, and, and I need to, I need to be very yeah, careful. I, I just I want to I want to be very careful about about something. I, I I'm not blaming Hayden Knowles for the circumstance. They were a shit set of circumstances last year, but but I can tell you from from experience of dealing with with bullies for a very long time. When you're being bullied or when you feel like you're being bullied, the ability to show judgment to know when to respond and when to draw back is crucial in deactivating those situations. And you sort of reached a point um, with that scenario where you're like, 
this situation was deactivated. You'd had your say. We were at a point where we could sort of take what you'd said and, and, and had taken your perspective and it was done. And now we sort of feel like we're reaching the inflamed situation where, well, what's this achieving now? Are you really achieving your initial outcome? Because it doesn't feel that way anymore. You know the, the other bad thing about this is, so he gets, he got into David Clemmer about not putting the team first. And and in there, and whatever, he, I'm not going to get into the, the nuts and bolts of that. But essentially, David Clemmer, what David Clemmer did wrong was he wanted to keep playing and keep giving his best for the club and for the town and for the fans. And that's what he did wrong and whatever. But these other guys did it off the field essentially harming their bodies by out drinking and doing drugs while injured. And then this won't be the scandal that the Clemmer thing was. Yeah. Because the Knights won't go into won't go won't attack KP. They won't attack Kurt Mann like they did with David Clemmer. Unless I forget when this first when the Clemmer thing first broke, the club were into Clemmer. Clemmer was looking like being out the door. Mm. Like it's just Well it's actually it does everything so Dumb. It finds the wrong path on every single issue. It's it's actually quite funny what you say about because let's use Clemmer as the sort of starting point for this. Since David Clemmer has been ac- accused of not putting the team first and disobeying direct or you know a, a, a straight up directive to not do as he's told, we've had Hayden Knowles go against Peter Parr saying, "Well, that's the end of it. You don't give any more interviews with it." Well, Hayden Knowles then decided he was going to give an interview on Sunday. And then you've got two players from who are leaders in our club who are being told, look, your season's done. We want you to rest up, get ready for the next season. And they're going against that directive, going, we're going to go and hit the piss so hard on on Saturday night. Because even if what or even if what Andre Ponger has said is true, you've got a club captain out with concussion who's drunk himself into such a state that he felt he needed to be sick, requiring assistance. That's that's still not a good look. That is just that is just an awful look for a club that from week to week has been directionless, has been rudderless, has been leaderless, and has just looked like I, I said to my I said to my mate, I said, I understand why you've why you you're indifferent to them. I said, my my amateur social soccer team that I was a part of for, for nine years, they're run better than this. And this is a professional full-time rugby league club that's just embarrassing itself on a week to week basis. You know, you know the worst thing about all this is that it goes I'm still against, a supporter. Oh, yeah, tell me about <laughs> it. It goes against everything that we held in our hearts about the Knights. The thing that we love about this club and Knights fans love about the Knights is that we always thought that they were one of us. That you know they gave their all to give us an enjoyment, and whether they won or lost, and when they lost, it pissed us off, and we hate, we all hate losing. <laughs> but we always thought this team was one of us. Yeah. Now this team, this team just thinks they're the kings of the world. They do their own thing. They don't care about the fans. They don't care about the club. They don't even care about themselves enough to protect their own image. Yeah. It's, and it's just a- such a lack of respect for the for everything. I, the, you, they've lost me. Like, There's no way I would be going Sunday if the women weren't playing. And I, just, the fun- I, I just refuse to support those mugs at the moment because they're mugs. That's what, that's what they are. And it's not the fact the way they're playing on the field. That's bad enough. But the way they're treating the club and the town and the fans – Fuck off. It's just unacceptable. If you are the club, so so where does, where does the club go from here? And, and I, I guess 
That's actually, for me, I think that's a hard question to answer at the moment because if there's one thing we learned from the Democla the David Clemmer situation was that um, the club is actually quite good at letting these things sort of play out and see how they go once they've got all the information at hand. Well, we've heard nothing from the club today, so that's, you know, that's obviously the way they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Although the club spoke to Andre, did speak, I suppose. <laughs> Can I ask, is there a set of circumstances where Kalen Ponga loses the captaincy? That's locked that in 100%, no doubt. And, is, and, I, and I think he would have lost it anyway, like in terms of like I think the, I think the club would take that off him, but I think the club love this now because they Kalen shouldn't be captain. I think the club know that. They've now got a perfect reason to go, yeah, part of your punishment, no captaincy. Yeah, Jaden Braley. Kalen's done the club a favour there. Jaden Braley, lock him in. Lock him in. Has Kurt Mann left himself in a position where there's the potential for him to lose his contract? Yes. Yeah, so the other, the other, I was thinking about this this afternoon. I'm, I'm a travel home on on the uh, on the train, so I was thinking about this. Kurt Mann is one of those guys that the reason why he continually gets picked and why clubs love him and coaches love him because of how hard a worker he is and how he does everything right in his preparation. He works his butt off during the week. He works his butt off in preseason. He works his butt off on the field. And all the issues that Kurt Mann has that we all know with all his weaknesses and all his silly mistakes and all that stuff that he does, the one thing you could rely on Kurt Mann was to put the club and the team first. Well, Kurt Mann's now showing that no. Because he's out, because I, I said it, he had literally had an injury where drinking is the worst possible thing you could do for it. And he was out drinking and probably doing drugs. Do we know? Do we know if he was drinking? Well, you walked out with a drink in his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> I realised. I realised how stupid that question was as soon as I asked it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but you're but, right. You know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think the club is right when they're right to go. Well, why are you here? Why are we paying you money? Your number one contribution to this team is is um, the team culture. That's what you bring to this team. You've just blown all that away. And I think the Titans have sort of shown the way with uh, Kevin Proctor because Kevin yeah. Proctor's still gone, isn't he? They, they, there was yeah, no yeah. there was no appeal on that or reinstatement. What, what these boys did was a million dollars worse than what Kevin Proctor did. And clubs that like the Titans have sort of shown is that if clubs want to get need an excuse to get rid, they'll get rid of you. Like they yeah, won't. Yeah. And then and that's the thing; those contracts are so tight into now in terms of um, behavioural off-field off -field behaviour. Yeah. That you the minus little fuck up now can lose your contract. Yeah, I mean, you look at um, you look at what they what the club the club put a line in the sand with Jacob Sofiti. Jacob Sofiti lost a quarter of his salary yeah. for someone else breaking his leg. Yeah, yeah, that's how, because that's he's out drinking when he's you know and getting too drunk for for you know for how he should represent the club. Yeah, um, I think there's look there's still a lot to play out in this. Obviously, the details will come out. Um, you know, we sit. And what do you, what do you think KP will get? Uh, I don't like it. Is the captaincy gone? I think he'll lose the captaincy, and that'll be uh, that'll be the end of it. I'll say, get yourself right for round one. Oh, really? Uh, I really, I think, I think he's going to get a, an eye-watering fine. Um, I, I absolutely think he's going to get an eye-watering fine, and I think that he's going to get a suspended match suspension. I can see them. I, I can see them giving him a suspended match suspension. Uh, I can absolutely. I think he's going to get an eye-watering fine. Yeah, do tell. Because if you say to KP, well, he's ten grand. Everyone's going to go ten grand. The guy's getting paid one point two million. Yep. 
The club need to be to show they're on the front foot. There's been too many of these incidents. They need something where people look and go, oh, Jesus, they're not mucking around. Mm. It needs to happen. If this well, club's serious, it needs to be a fine where KP really gets, you know, gets a knock around the back of the head with it. Well, and the last KP, bit... KP then wants to talk about that. Well, that changes the sort of character he is, and we don't really want that guy in our club being our top owner. If doing the wrong thing and getting punished for it makes you sook. I'm very, I'm very torn in this conversation, Brenda, because I, I do love KP. I've, I've said it, Mate, and I've said it publicly. Nobody loves him more than me. Yeah, like I, 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 Sky, Sky loves him more than me. I'm taking. Oh, no one beats Sky, but yeah, we've sort of we're on record as sort of comparing our love for KP with that of Joey Johns, and historically, Joey's admitted himself he's done well, far worse Caleb than this. Second, I suppose. Sorry, probably Kalen's probably second. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I'm very tall. But the, uh, uh, to get back to your original question and, and jokes aside, the only reason I don't think they'll give him an eye-watering financial punishment is simply because he is the number one star of the club. They didn't do that with the likes of Andrew Johns. They'll say to him, look, we're taking the cap- captaincy off you because we need to be shown to be doing something. Please don't put us in this situation again. That's what I think will happen. Yeah, see, but my problem is that I think that Everyone's got to see through the drop in the captaincy. I think everyone knows that the club wanted to take it, wanted to take that off him anyway. If, 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 if people are going to see the, losing the captaincy as a big thing, I would agree with you. But I think everyone knows that the club are more than happy to take that off him because they wanted to find a way to take it off him anyway. I, I guess where I'm coming from is that I genuinely don't believe the club wants to punish him. That's actually where I'm coming. I think they want to punish a Jacob Sofidi, a young up-and-comer who's still yet to prove himself, I don't think the club, and particularly the year this that they've had this year, I don't think the club wants to punish a Kalen Ponga. I think they want to be seen to cut punishing a Kalen Ponga, but I just think that they're weighing up. If we, so over- I, I, to me, Peter Parr being here changes that. The what? Sorry. Peter Parr being here changes that. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. That is, yeah. Sorry, I, I discounted Peter immediately. No, that's a fair point. He does. He doesn't have the emotional. Yeah. You know, Kalen, I, I agree with you. Kalen has the rest of them wrapped around his finger. And yes. He has, he has all of that around his finger because he's the sweet prince of love. But I think Peter Parr is the sort of guy that's going to go, I think he's frigging, what, two weeks? And you've already done this to me. Yeah. This ends now. Well, no, if anything, sorry, if anything, if anything, Peter, I think Peter Parr coming into the new role is more likely to punish Kalen because they would have they would have gone back together back in their Cowboys days. See, Peter Parr would have yeah, known, he would yeah, have like, known Kalen. And I think, and I think, I think Peter Parr's the sort of guy that could sit down with Andre, Andre and Kalen because they knew him when you know, they've yeah. known him for so long. Yeah, but sit down and go, mate, you're going to get smashed here, and I'm doing you a favour because I'm going to keep your career on track. Yeah, no, I think, and I think that's how they sell it. And I think that's yeah, all right. And look, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Look, I, I'm not. It's I'm not advert. I, I think I, I think a lot of things about this, and I, I need to be careful as well because these can be those scenarios where the more the particularly with the knights, where the more the the, the news comes out and the clearer the picture sort of becomes, you sort of go, well, what what punishment does need to be matted out? But but you are right. I mean, given what the knights have been through this year and given their past history when it comes to off field behaviour, and Peter Parr in a role. Well, let's face it, we've got we've got a club with a history of drugs. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember I remember when when the, when West first took over, and um. Phil specifically saying, you know, the risk that I had to sell to my board is my, the thing my board worry about was the Knights are associated with things that 
us in the club industry can't be associated with, you know, excessive drinking and drugs. We have to get that reputation out of the club because that will destroy the West brand and that's what we're most scared of. And and I think that's is, the line they've crossed. Because this is the thing, isn't it? Is that um, perception is reality. Like regardless of what uh, – we've sort of reached a point now where, where unless they were doing something other than what everyone's speculating, short of that being videoed now, that – that outcome is sort of like it, it's going to stick with this no matter what happens now. Yeah, absolutely. and and that's that that's the problem for these players is that you sort of live in that world age of, you know, everyone's got their camera phones. But perception is reality. We're all going to think what we're all going to think, and you've opened that literally opened that door to that. This is a situation of your own making now. That but you've dragged a whole lot of like the entire club into it where they have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, like. That you're right. That you're exactly right. That's and that's the thing because it's going to be pure speculation. Because you know, unless more footage comes out, if that's all the footage we've got, it's always just going to be speculation. So that we know what the rugby league media is like. All they're going to do is speculate. So every single chance they're going to do is ask questions. Yeah. This is going to drag and drag and drag. Yeah. Hey, mate. Can we? Like, um, can you can imagine we... Cameron's first press conference in the off season? Oh dear. Yeah. I am curious, but I'm curious to how the speculation. No, sorry. Let me rephrase that. I know for a fact the speculation is going to be worse for Kalen than what you consider with the likes of Brandon. Cause it's so easy to forget that Brandon Smith and Cam Munston were literally filmed smoking a white, uh, sorry, snorting a white substance just last off season. Like that happened, and nobody talks about that yeah. anymore. But you just know that because Kalen Pong is Kalen Ponger and he plays yeah. for the Knights, this is going to get brought Bruce up Walsh. at every. Bruce Walsh was only twelve months ago. Yeah. This will get brought up at every opportunity imaginable because he's Kalen Ponga and because it's the Newcastle Knights. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the Reese Walsh one was probably the worst in the fact that he actually got caught with the baggie on him, you know? Yeah. It's, um... God, it's right. so like, funny that you said... The, I genuinely the, the forgot that. Smashed. I genuinely forgot that happened. Not, not, not a word of yeah. a lie. It wasn't until you just reminded me then. I was like, oh, yeah. And that feels like that happened years ago. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Hey man, can I can I ask you about the Panthers signing today or the news that's sort of breaking today? Uh, Zach Hosking has uh, reportedly landed himself a two-year deal with the Penrith Panthers. Uh, he's finished his um, development deal or his training trial with the Brisbane Broncos. He's leaving the mighty uh, winner Manly Seagulls and uh, he's heading out to the foot of the mountains, out for Penrith. Um, first of all, congratulations to Zach, but, um, oh, that one that one hurts even more because only a few weeks ago he was saying, he was saying to Barry too, he wants to come home. The Knights, bring me home. I'm ready to come home. And uh, that's that's not going to happen. Yeah, multiple sad face emojis, mate. Um, obviously, um, not being at the Knights anymore. And you, as I was saying before about Zach, like I loved him as a Knight. As a, I think he was the hardest working bloke in the club when he was in our lower grades. 
And then yeah, so hang on. Really I, no, so hang on. Before you go on, before you go on, I, I, I don't want you to understate that. You've actually been so for those of for those who are only just sort of um, listening to to us for the first time. Uh, first of all, where have you been? But um, I just want to give some background before I let Bretto have his say. I was actually living next door to Zach Hosking for three years, and I had no idea. And but I, I uh, Bretto had actually been talking with this. Mate, this is reserve grade. We've got to give him a crack. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I only realised that I was living next door to Zach when I found out that he was leaving the Knights. And uh, I wished him congratulations and all the best with um, Brisbane. I actually, I actually bumped into him the day he was leaving. He says, yeah, I got the call from Wynnum today. They said, look, with everything that's going on with COVID at the moment, we'd actually prefer if you come up now just so that we we know that we're going to have you. That's how, that's how eager they were to have Zach up there. But you, but this I just want to be. This is not something that Bredo you've started doing this year just because the Broncos showed you have been talking about this guy for years. You um, at Matt, least at least five years. Yeah, Matt Matt Kidder, like it has been a constant. Why is Zach not getting run? Why is Zach not getting run? And I was just sitting there going, "Who the fuck is Zach?" So this is something that you believed in, that you backed, that you you've been proven correct, and the Knights have um, missed the boat. Yeah, so Zach, the, the, I'll be honest, the way I noticed Zach was when he's playing out Jersey Flag, he used to come on off the bench as, as the energy guy. And he had a big ponytail, and me and my two boys used to sit there. My boys were really young then, and they loved him because there was this long guy with long blonde hair, and he'd run it hard in the middle of the field, and he was skinny, and he looked too small, and he'd get smashed, and the hair would fly. You know, and then the kid, and my kids loved him. We used to love Zach. You know, that's why I started loving him. But after, you know, as he became a starter of that team and eventually became captain of that team, and I think he ended up winning a Player of the Year award there too. He then became a reserve grader and cut the hair and became a Player of the Year award winner in the reserve grade. And he still looked too small and he still ran the ball the hardest and he still hit like a freight train. And I just kept saying to people, like, this guy puts his body on the line every week for this club. And no matter what you think in terms of his ability, I know what you'll get out of him. It's 100% effort. He won't miss tackles. And he won't shirk his responsibility taking hard yards. And that was always my thing, you know. And then he got the run with Brisbane. And I was, you know, and obviously I would have preferred him to stay with us. But I was happy with that because he was going to my club that I like in the Queensland comp, winner Manly's. I thought, now I'll get to see him play for the Seagulls. That's a win. And now he's going to Penrith, who, as we know, are the head and shoulders best team in the comp. But they're losing kick out. And they're, you know, they're losing a few other guys. And he's going to be on the sort of the edge of, you know, whether just sneaking to their 17 or just missing out. But you'll you play for them, I, I'd assume. Um, it's a it's a great career move because mm. if whatever whatever ability he does have, Penrith will bring it out of him. And yep. I know that in terms of the effort and the fitness, he's got all that. So Penrith can just you know just eat every single abil- bit of ability out of him. I think he'll make it. They'll turn him into a first grader, and I think at the very least they'll turn him into a guy that will get a Super League deal at some stage. Whereas when you know when he was at the Knights, he was just a guy that was going to play New South Wales Cup and would probably end up playing local league. Yeah. He was going to have a real professional rugby league career. So you know, I'm stoked for him. Oh, look, we're we're excited. We actually wanted to get um, so we wanted to get Zach on. We we were going to have a chat with him just about how he was going up there, what he thought about his first grade uh, experience. Um, you know, we were going to try and t- but. He sort of signed with the signed with um, the Panthers, and we were like, "Oh, that's we, we we can't celebrate that as Panthers fans." But I did have a chance to talk with um, Zach about a couple of things because <clears throat> I want to ask. I, I just want to ask him about his experience up there to date and sort of how he. A couple of things he did mention to me was that he said, 
he personally, from his experience, he loves Q Cup. From his experience, he doesn't feel like the physicality or the speed is necessarily a cut above, or you know what, what he get in New South Wales Cup. But he did enjoy playing for local teams that were big enough to have their own following. So as opposed to New South Wales Cup teams that are um, that are just feeder clubs for the NRL, the Q Club, the Q Cup are their own comp. They are their, they have their own identity. They have their own they have their own team and they have their own their own fan base. And he was saying to me he really enjoyed being a part of that. But the other thing that he did mention, and I think this is really fascinating, was he because he said to me he said first grade experience was everything I hoped for and more. So really glad I got to do it. But he said. Um, he said, I was just amazed at the physical toll it takes on you. I said, how do you mean? He says, right. He, says, I've, he said, I've been playing um, reserve grade. You know, I've been playing for, for, whole, for all my life. And he says, I'm, I'm generally a, a, a fit guy. And he said, after my debut, he says, the trainer uh, gave us uh, some a, a power rate and they put extra electrolytes in. They said, oh, that's for when you're – no, sorry, uh, at halftime of the game. Sorry, my apologies. At halftime of the game, after the first half – and they said, um, oh, this is for the cramp. They said, you'll need this for, for cramping up after the game um, because you'll exude something. He said, oh, I don't no, I don't need to worry about that, mate. I've, I've never cramped a day in my life. And he said, yeah, with 15 minutes to go, he started to cramp, cramp up. And he said, because that step up from Q Club slash New South Wales Cup to NRL, it, he said, it's massive. He said, it's just a huge, he said, you can't, you can't understand it until you've experienced it. The difference in intensity from when you get uh, into the NRL for a first time. And I thought that was very insightful in terms of, because, you know, it's easy for us to sit on the sideline and watch as fans, and um, yeah, but that gives you some insight into what these guys are doing to their bodies uh, on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's why um, the ability of clubs to develop guys from cup standard to NRL standard is yes. the key. There's so many guys that we've got that we thought would be great NRL players that haven't made it. We go, well, why couldn't they make it? Because that gap is so big. It's a, there's a real skill and a real art. And as a um, football department, you can, you know, you know, a lot of money, get a really good reputation, your ability to bridge that gap. And that's where people say, oh, how, how did Melbourne find these guys that no one else wanted? I don't think it's necessarily they find guys no one wanted. I think Melbourne have the ability to turn guys that, most people think can't quite make NRL. Melbourne have the ability to close that gap and turn them into NRL players. Well, wasn't that's that the key? There's such a big gap there that only a, only a very very small percentage of good cut players can play NRL. Wasn't it was it was our mate Harvey G who was saying to us um, earlier this year? You know, when it didn't look like our club our season was being the toilet. One of the things he was sort of saying that he most valued about Adam O'Brien was. Adam O'Brien seemed to bring from Melbourne and to a certain extent Sydney as well. What he wanted to bring to the club was what he wanted to bring to the Newcastle Knights was the mentality of creating a club that wins premiership, a a premiership, not a club that wins at multiple levels. And so one of the things that Adam O'Brien was most proud of is at his time at Melbourne Storm was when his one of his junior, I think a Jersey flag team, or one of his one of his junior teams won a comp. And he said, no, what I was proud of for that wasn't, no, we were proud that we won the comp. But what I was most proud of was that the majority, if not all of those players went on to play first grade, because that's what we were there to achieve. Yeah. 
Yeah. But before I let you have oh, a, just, on, just on that point, I, I made a, I made a point a while back, and when yeah, you know, when Adam, I, I did make that comment, and my my comparison was the twenty fifteen, I think it was Knights Jersey flag team, Holden Cup team, sorry, in those days, where they finished minor premiership, they lost one or two games, they were a standout team, they end up bombing out in the finals, but another story. But that team we thought was the basis of our future. So, you know, Jake Memo was an origin, was his under-20s origin fullback, had Sioni in it, had Lockie Fitz, had Denny Levi. You know, had a lot of guys that we thought were going to be in future nights. And out of that team, we've got Lockie Fitz is the only one still around, and we all know that, you know, Lockie's may not be around much longer. He hasn't sort of really panned out like we hoped he had. So that team might actually produce no players that we would go, they've, they've turned into, you know, really good nights first graders. Yeah. Yet, there was a, I think, I think it was that year, that year or the year after Melbourne, who had a team that just maybe stuck in the finals, just missed out, actually produced about seven first graders. And that's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference. It's, it's not, it's not winning it on a 20s level. It's, it's developing the guys at that stage so they can then work up through the grades and become first graders and identifying those guys. But yeah, like it just, so, so and you, you, even now you look at, um, you look at under 20s origin teams from seven or eight years ago, and most of the names you've never heard of. Hmm. And then you look at guys that didn't make those teams or in that same age bracket that now play for Australia. It's, yeah, it's quite interesting. And so, I, well, I want to go full circle with that because we obviously had Ben Darwin on this year. We're trying to get him on again at the end so that we can um, deconstruct just what the fuck happened with his team this year. But I, I actually want to lean on a lot of what uh, Ben said in terms of that cohesion and bringing players through together. I'm reluctant to do it, but all of a sudden there's a deeper understanding of what um, Phil Gould was talking about with his five-year plan. He would have been – he is smart enough. Like, say what you like about Phil Gould. He, he's starting to say a lot of things that really do sound like someone's unhinged. But he's not an idiot. And he he does know – he actually does know rugby league. He knew when he went back to Penrith that it, the idea wasn't to win a premiership with the players that were there. The idea was to create a club that was going to win premierships when he wasn't there or who, who, with whoever was there. And so that's why you almost give some credit now to him identifying this is a five-year plan, not because they wanted to develop the players in first grade that they had, but because he knew that the players that were coming through were going to need five years to be ready to, to go all the way at um, first grade level. I did. So I did see a Penrith fan a while back. Um, someone had had a go at Gus about you know, the five-year plan and all that sort of stuff. And Gus had taken a little bit of credit, maybe in, in Channel Nine duties about you know the development. And someone had said, "Oh, Gus, you know they've only won since you've left." Blah blah blah. And I did. I, there was a Penrith fan that did just listen and say, "Look, all these guys, you know, all these guys that now are Origin players and you know Penrith, they lead Penrith the premierships, were all either signed by Gus or extended by Gus when they were you know." 13, 14, 15. So that was the plan, you know, and that was the five-year plan was not to win a premiership in five years. The plan turned out that in five years' time, we want all the best guys in our area all to be playing for the Panthers. That was the plan, and that's how it's panned out. There's a couple of things there, and I, I mean, I didn't intend for us to talk about this, but we've sort of gotten here. There's a couple of things there that sort of heartened me but disheartened me at the same time because you and I thought that Garth Brennan was going to be that figure to give us that roadmap towards what we needed in five years' time. Because, because Garth was the man that did it with Gus. Yes, exactly. No, exactly. But 
on the flip side of that, is that one of the reasons the Knights are happy to say to O'Brien, we understand that you won't deliver a premiership in the first three to four years. We won't allow you to bottom out like Nathan Brown did, but we understand that you've given us a roadmap to say, this is a five-year plan that you need to be a part of if you want to get this entire club first grade ready to compete for premierships regu uh, regularly. Because it's as Ben Darwin said, what do you want? Do you want a team that wins or do you want a club that wins premierships? Yeah, 100%. You know, and the, and I, I don't know. Like, we, we, we've had these false dawns before. We've seen young guys coming through and we think, oh, that guy's going to be a player. But there are a lot of really, really, really good players in our club at the at the sort of, you know, at the 17, 18, 19 age group, sort of in that in those sort of teams. Some play cup, some play jersey flag, and through it spread throughout those lower grades. But to me, Adam O'Brien has signaled the idea of he's got them into cup as soon as possible. So as soon as he thinks they're physically ready, they start playing New South Wales Cup. And that's what we never ever did in the past. Guys would play the juniors till they were too old, then eventually they would get to the point where they had to play in cup because they were no longer eligible for the unders teams. Um, that's a noticeable, a notable difference that, yeah, we really are pushing guys to play against men as soon as they're ready. And there seems to be a lot of guys um, like Jared Purcell and that, that have shown that they can handle that. Um, Mapa Palangi, you know, was another one we got from Manly and we sort of pushed him through at his own pace, but it's got to the point now where, you know, Barry Tilley suggests, and I would like to see it, that he might get a game in first grade before the year's out. Yeah, I was because, just going to ask, do you reckon, do you reckon we'll see Christian on because the Because, we, you know, we, we, we identified these guys that as soon as they're ready to play men, they'll play men, and then we won't then push them into first grade until they're ready. But the moment they are ready, they're ready and we'll play them. Yeah, yeah. Hey, mate, we've... Matt Croker, as I've said many times, he was the quintessential knight junior. You know, he's not from Newcastle, but he's, you know, he come through our system and he was always the best forward in the team and all the teams thing. And then he got the got a cup and was a good player in cup, but didn't stand out. And, and I personally thought, oh, has, Matt, has he stalled him? But Sami Solo was another one, you know, he was a standout and he stalled in cup and, you know, and he didn't really make his goal in first grade. But Matt Kroger especially now looks every bit the first grade and we all think that he's going to play maybe 200 games for the club because, you know, he's showing that talent. Pasami didn't show it in first grade, but now has started to get the bit between the teeth and started to show it. Credit Adam O'Brien, he stuck with these guys and he yeah. kept sprinkling them in as he thought they were ready. And then when he thought they were struggling, he pulled them out. And he pulled Matt Croker back to Cup and rested him a lot recently because he knew that the body wasn't handling it. And he's done the same with um, with Thompson, you know. He's been playing Cup, he's been resting because his body wasn't handling week after week at first grade. I don't know if it's going to work because, we've, as I said, you know, we've, we've seen this before in terms of having our hopes, but it's definitely the approach that the top teams use. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle have won the grand final. It is a shame that um, the men's team has sort of occupied so much of our time, you know, with the off-field stuff, with the on-field shithousery. We, we sort of wanted to do a 
NRLW pre-season or a season preview. We sort of didn't get around to that. Recording's been a bit back and forth lately. There were a couple of extenuating circumstances. We, we want to give it a bit more attention after their first game next week. But you did, you sort of um, alluded to it before. Uh, round one of the NRLW season 2022 kicks off this weekend. Um, Bredo, I'm, I'm putting you, I'm putting the spotlight on you. Can the women's team win the first game in the history of the NRLW for the Newcastle Knights? Yes. We're playing the, so we're playing the Broncos. And bearing in mind the Broncos are coming off a season where they thought they'd win another grand final. They did not. They they went out in circum, controversial circumstances. Don't you think the Broncos will have a point to prove come Sunday night? Oh, yeah, 100%. Broncos are still favourites of mine because of their experience, but let's not forget, we've got two of their three best players now. <laughs> do you do you still... I still come to terms with the fact that Tamika Upton and Millie Boyle are going to be wearing Knights jerseys this weekend. It's wild. I, I, st- wild. I still can't comprehend it. It's wild. The Millie thing I, I get, like I, I completely get Millie coming. Now that that was, you know, obviously a shock and didn't expect it, but I get that. To make her up, the thing blew me away. Yeah, which is where the Queenslanders leave the Queensland club. Um, it, it's easy to sort of lose sight of this, and I, and I, I think it's a good thing because uh, Millie Boyle, to make her Upton, Upton, uh, quality quality players, star players. Um, they're the two players you want in your team. But what's overlooked is that we, you know, touch wood, have the potential here to see a fit Caitlin Johnson do for the Knights what we saw her do for New South Wales in State of Origin. That alone... And the Indigenous All-Star. She was, she was, she was a woman of the match in the All-Stars as oh, well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, she was on fire that game. So that alone, yeah. I think, is reason enough for Knights fans to be excited about what this team can do this season. You know, you and I, you you and I have a tendency to talk up nice nights teams in the off season. No, no, it's true, but I think this time we're not doing it on the basis <laughs> of. I think they can do something good. No, this team has the substance where the expectations are. You're supposed to do something good. Those are the expectations are. We, we want to back you. The expectations are. You've been put together to do this. You are now expected to do it, and I think that's fair enough. Yeah, like we've got a team that should be challenging for the premiership. I'm not saying they will because, you know, they're first time together, maybe next year. But on paper, we have a team that should be challenging for the premiership. Was it one win? I think one win got you into the semis on a two win. Sorry, no. You definitely need two wins to get into those uh, those top four out of six positions. Um, the depth is there for this team to win two wins. But granted, as we've pointed out, this Sunday, they'll be chasing the first win for the Newcastle Knights in the NRLW season. So, uh, in the NRLW comp. So, that like that in and of itself has its own pressure. Um, but you sort of – these are the, these these players – a lot of these players have been there and done that. You'd think that they'd be able to get past that pressure and go, no, we, we know we're here to do a job. We know what we're, we're going to do. And they, they should have the quality there to get the job done. Yeah, all these girls are Origin players. All these girls that we're relying on are either Origin players or, you know, there's a few Kiwi Test players in there. You know, there's um, Jesse Sutherland, you know, obviously just won a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. You know, yeah. the pressure should be nothing to these girls. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how Jesse goes. So, um, will the team the teams get named on Tuesday? Will they get named at the same yeah, time I as the men's team? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I sort of, I've probably been a bit distracted by what's been happening with the men's team to sort of know. Are there any selection surprises that you're keeping an eye out for or that you're anticipating? Or is there anything you'd like to see in terms of who lines up um, come Sunday? Well, I think Romy Tights will be the first one. Obviously, you know, she's the club captain and um, played fullback in the in the inaugural season. And she and, and we all thought she'd probably get moved to centre, but it looks like she might even get picked in the back row now where she played for the uh, the Gold Stars in the uh, BHP Premiership in Queensland, which is a bit of a surprise to go from, you know, from Queensland, uh, from Queensland, from fullback to the back row in the space of a couple of months is, is quite, a, quite a change. So I think that's the one to look out for. The other one will be the big halfback battle, you know. Caitlin Moran coming home, who before she had a horrid run with injuries, was a, was a automatic Jillaroo. She just get, she got picked every time. She's come home, and, you know, we all sort of assumed that she would be the halfback. But young 17-year-old Jesse Southerl, who um, who had to get an exemption to play, she went down the same process as Suwali went, right through to meeting Andrew, Andrew Abdo and everything to, um, to prove that she was mentally ready to play, play against Older, older people as much as physically. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that halfback selection would be interesting whether they go maybe Jesse's a 14, knowing that, you know, that you can sort of move Kira Dib, who's at the 5, that you can move her into the back row if you needed to because she's quite tall and rangy. Mm. Um, I think I think we're, um, yeah, we have, what, the, the outside backs will be interesting. Um, Autumn Rain Stevens. So they've got you know, the list as a 5-8. back line in the first season. They've got Autumn Rain. Probably likely to get picked on the wing. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting ones. I think I think our weakest spot in the team in terms of depth is the centres. So to me, that'll be interesting. Um, probably Laura will probably have one spot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the centre will be the interesting positions. Um, we've lost it. Like we've lost a couple of our Kiwi contingent. Um. But I mean, there's still a lot of depth in that in that for, in those forwards. There, you got Hannah Southwell. We've mentioned Caitlin Johnson, um, Kira Simon as well. Oh, sorry, Kyra, Kyra Simon, an opportunity for yeah, her Kyra to Simon, um, yeah. uh, step up. Um, do you know much about Yasmin Clydesdale? Yasmin Clydesdale is an athlete. Um, mm. She was an outside back originally. Yeah, she's an athlete. She. Um, I think I'm writing saying she was a rugby sevens player. Okay. Um, and she's a she's a um she, she plays Origin now for New South Wales. Um, now she's an athlete. She she'll be really. It's really interesting with her on one side in the in the on the edge, and if uh, Romy plays on the other side, that'll be that might be the fastest back row in the history of the game because <laughs> both those girls are really quick. Um, I, I'm, I, look, I've got to admit, I'm looking forward to getting the NRL curtain racer uh, out of the way so that we get on to the big one uh, at 6 o'clock at McDonald Jones Yeah, that's Stadium. nice they put in the correct order. <laughs> Knights v Broncos. The thing for me that's exciting is that whatever's going on with the Knights, in whatever comp, the Knights v Broncos is always like it's always a big occasion, you know what I mean? And so I'm actually really looking forward to this under lights next Sunday. I reckon they should have a big crowd there for this game. Should be a big crowd to hate to stay and um, uh, to come along, sorry, and watch the um, NRLW. It's actually a shame that the men are going so poorly. 
It's a yeah. shame, because the men were going well and got 25,000. They would probably sell like 15 to 20,000 there for the women. Yeah. It's a shame the men are going to say, poor, they might only get sort of 15 for the men. <laughs> but I still think the majority will stay, yeah. Have you got your Have you got your NRLW membership? I haven't received anything from the club. I wouldn't even know. I didn't even know how that thing worked. I just paid me 30 bucks when I hope I remember. Oh, I'm... It's, been, I've, it's so poor. That, uh, that's a... Time for a rant. The way the members get treated at the moment is absolutely ordinary. I have no idea what's going on with any of that in terms of do we sit in our same seats? Do we have to move? Can my son, because I've got a membership as the NRLW, one of my sons do, the other son doesn't. You know, like I don't, I don't get how any of it works. Mm. And there's been no, and now we're what a week out from the game, and still there's been no correspondence of how any of it works. Yeah, it's um, I, I think it's just another, it's just another example of the disconnect between the club and the fans. Like you said something so, you said something so crucial, and it'll stay with me for a while. Is that you know, good or bad, um, winning, losing, uh, what. The diff, what always separated the Newcastle Knights from every, and I'm talking every team in the comp, was that the fans and the club were connected. It, like it, Joey Andrew Johns described it himself uh, in in 2020 when he said, you know, the club, um, the the players feed off the of the fans and the fans feed off the players. You know, there is a connectedness there, and um, everything that's gone on this year, and that's just another example that uh, that connection has just been feeling like it's disintegrating. The, 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 the fans and that, to me, is showing how big a trouble this club's in. This club has lost its way so badly, and now it's showing in the fact that, you know, it, even it's got to the point where even the players are showing ridiculous discipline off the field. But I just, the disrespect for the women's, for the women's team that we've all, we've all got involved and wanted to be women's members. You know, I'm proud of the fact that I've got a really no, a really low women's membership number, and I'm proud of that, Stevie. It's on my wall, you know. But am I the same number this year? Because I, because I didn't actually get all bread a year renewing. I just got, do you want to join to be an NRLW member? And I went, yeah, I do want to join. So if I got the same number, am I, you know, I just, none of it's, there's been nothing. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of. It feels like they're just taking out money and, do, and, and nothing changed. We could have just sat in our seat anyway. And you know, and watch the game. The women, because you, because you, you put me on blast. I, I can't tell you, you put me on blast a little bit. You were like, these women deserve our our support. If you can't put financially support these women, I don't know what to tell you. And you are you are absolutely right. That that is, that is the 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 NRLW is its own comp. It deserves to be treated like that. It deserves the fans deserve to treat it like the broadcasters deserve to treat it that way. I'm I'm not even going to get into that. But if the clubs themselves can't treat it as its own discrete discrete comp with the respect that it deserves, like even give it, like giving it that direction to the fans, you sort of like that'll help. Like the um, clarity of that process. It should, it should have its own, it should have its own members department. Yeah, there should be people specifically in the club that only deal with the NRLW situation. Yeah, you know, have their own social media feed, which they do. But I, you know, I'm sure it gets run by the same as the men do. Have their own feed run by different people. That, you know, have their own uh, membership um, systems in place run by individuals, so that you can contact them and they're experts on just that part of it. It needs to be its own separate department, and at the moment, it's just getting lost in the shit fight that's the men's department. I think the women's team has a prime opportunity here 
to forge their own identity because they have an opportunity to play in a style where saying tonight's players, you play like a girl is a compliment because the way the men are playing, the, the, I think the yeah. worst thing, I think the worst thing you could say to any of the women's, to the NRLW Knights team at the moment is you play like a man because our, t- our men's team is just so utterly dog shit. And I just think this is a prime opportunity. I'm telling you, for- I'm telling you now, the, the three most talented players in our club, Callum Pong is one. The other two are merely boiling to bigger up than. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. Most, they're the three best rugby league players in our club. So, um, look, we, you and I said it before at the beginning of the year. We're going to say it again. Get on board with the women's team. Uh, win, lose, or draw. They 100% do deserve our support. Um, I'm not going to say we have big expectations for them because that has killed uh, our seasons this year so far. But, um, we, you know, go there. Go, go on Sunday with uh, open hearts, open minds, and uh, definitely open eyes. So, and oh, good to, with hearts and minds of Knights fans. You know, like the, with the, with everything so disillusioned with the men's team, the women's team got a real chance to put a mark on the ground and go, "We're the premier team in this club." Yeah. Now we're we're the team that Knights fans can be proud of. Show the show it's the a real boys. big opportunity, and, it, and I just boys. hope that, as I said, the competence of the club itself is not going to ruin that. Show the boys how it's done, mate. It's uh, it, it is a funny thing. It doesn't matter how rubbish the the men's team are. It's still always good fun uh, talking about the Knights with you. <laughs> Oh, that's that's the problem. But like every week, you think, "Oh, we're just getting to talk about footy this week," and you just get, don't get to talk about footy anymore, do you? There's so much other shit. It's really funny you should say that because I was thinking about like, so when you and I first wanted to do this, we wanted to like we were gonna we were gonna watch the games two or three times, and we were gonna deconstruct them, and we were gonna go through plays, and we were and like, there's there's nothing that the men's team does that makes you want to do that anymore. <laughs> We almost, we almost saw. No, like, that's, that's, that's what. Nothing in the turn of attack. There's nothing to deconstruct. Yeah, we were sort of. Well, can we just talk about no analysis to be done? Like nothing happens. <laughs> the opposition is the same way every time, and we fuck it up in attack the same way every time. Like, it's just... Mate, I'm going to put you on the spot though. Before we do go, Knights uh, v Raiders in the men's, Knights v Broncos in the women's. Uh, can we can we get away with a home double next week? Is it possible? That the men's a men's win can uh, lead into a women's win at McDonald Jones Stadium on Sunday evening at slash afternoon. Well, as we know, we've got we've got a good record against the Raiders, and they're always good games. Like even obviously they got that last minute winner against us earlier in the season. You know we got the draw against them in 2016, and, and a gold point lost to them then. Like the Raiders games are always good. I think the, I, th- I, I think the men can sneak away with one. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it. I'm an idiot, but I think they can stay away. <laughs> the medal win by, I think the medal win by four, and I think the women will win by eight. Okay, so an eight-point win to the Knights in the NRLW and a four-point win to the uh, Knights in the NRLM. Bretto, uh, it's been a pleasure as always. We've once again rabbited on for far too long, but when it is the Knights, it's uh, it never matters. Uh, we are still brought to everybody by A Plus Contracting and Poly Welding. Um, just quickly, Bretto. Uh, fantasy comps, they're coming to an end. How are, we tra- how are things travelling? Oh, that doesn't don't, sound... Don't rub my nose in it, mate. So, I was telling Kato yesterday, so I, in, in the one of the leagues, I think it was League 2, no, it was League 1, actually, I was minor premier, went, went out in the straight sets. Bang, bang, gone. <laughs> Both very narrow losses, but bang, bang, gone. And um, in the, the other league, I finished eighth and stuck into the finals, and I'm still alive in that, still in the prelim. 
so that's still a lot but it's really getting down to the, the business end uh, next day, next week we'll have the grand finalists to be able to bring you and we'll tell you the teams are in the grand finals and yeah and the prizes revealed next week are really really good yeah 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 we'll, um, we'll definitely get the sort of Bredo you are Bredo I am K-Dog we are brought, brought to you again by uh, A Plus Contract Contracting and Poly Welding thank you for listening everybody and uh, yeah enjoy the footy next weekend thanks guys would like to thank you for listening right to the end you are our kind of people find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing and remember social media isn't a bad place you just need to follow the right people